so my name's JJ. Um, so yeah, hi. Um, so I'm related to Pastor Eddie because I married his beautiful daughter Ashley. Um, so that's that's how you know it's not warm here. Yeah, that's that's definitely worth applauding. It was a good move, I know. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so we have our little kid Keone. He's always being held by someone. I think he's with is he with Grandma? Yes. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. That's the that's the yes of you. You wish you were holding him. I know. It's, it's not good. Uh, but I did hear that actually uh, he did end up getting. They're on the way to the church right now. Eddie and Tom are in route to the church. So they'll be you know they'll be worshiping this morning in Bluefields. Uh, Nicaragua. So that's pretty cool um, that they're on route and they're going to be there. So, And that's what it's like all over the world. It's crazy. We're going to be worshiping. We're worshiping right now. We're able to come together and worship God right now at the same time as other people are worshiping God. We get to do it freely. Other people have to do it in secret. They're in attics. There's no air conditioning. There's no fans. There's you know no light for some of them, but that's what it's like. All over the world, people get to worship the exact same God, and they get to worship Him because of His grace. And they get to worship him because of his mercy. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about um, the fact that God gives us grace so that we can follow him passionately. That's what it's all about is that God gives us grace so that we can follow him passionately. And that's going to be found. We're going to be in the book of Acts when talking about that. And so um, if you guys want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 and just kind of have that ready to go. Acts chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 14. But God gives us grace to follow him passionately. And first I want to start off with this kind of this image, a story, just something to think about. Uh, there were two men and they were just out in a field. They were, they were clearing brush. I mean, you know, you had your bushes, you had uh, your logs, all that stuff. And they're just out in a field and they're hauling brush around like, what are we going to do with all of this brush? Like, how are we going to get rid of it? And all of a sudden they stumble upon, they're just walking, and they stumble upon this hole in the ground. And they look down and they're like, hey, that's a really that's a big hole. Like, they're just kind of looking like, man. So a, a guy thinks to himself, well, it's a big hole. We're guys. You know, let's throw a pebble in. <laughs> Wait, nothing. Don't hear anything. No water splash, no little tink, no nothing. It's just a big hole. So I think, so they look, you know, buddy, always. Let's throw a boulder in, you know. Let's just get a big old rock. And so they chuck this big old rock in, and they're like, just waiting. Nothing. No sound, nothing. And they're wondering, what is this? What are we going to do? So they start trees, logs, you know, anything they can find or throwing in. And then finally, this, his buddy just walks out. You know, that buddy that always just, you know, he'll just grab whatever he can. And he tries to be the macho man. Big old railroad tie. And he's just, ah. And he's like, dude, let's throw this in. And the guy's like, okay. You know, so throw in the railroad tie. And they're just waiting. Nothing. No sound. Then all of a sudden, out of the bushes, there comes a goat. And the goat just jumps into the hole. And the guys are looking. They're like. Oh my gosh, that goat just, where did the goat go? And walking around like, the goat just jumped in the way and maybe they'll hear like a splat or a bat, you know, maybe something. And all of a sudden this farmer comes running out. Have you seen my goat? And they're like, he just jumped in the hole. Well, how did he jump in the hole? I tied him to the railroad tie. <laughs> just kind of keep that in mind. Let that image set in and think about it for a little bit. But. The, the idea there is, is we're, all, we're all tied to something. We're all tied to something. You've got to figure out what you're tied to. But um, God gives us grace. God gives us grace so we can follow him passionately. Just so you know, if you ever look up that story, I stole that story from a, a guy, a great preacher, um, who actually passed away the end of August. 
Um, his name was Dr. Wayne Barber. He preached at BCF a lot. I loved him. He was a great guy. I always had these great stories, and I won't tell them all to you, but they were awesome. I mean, some of them are real. That one was fake, uh, obviously. You can't find a hole that's endless like that. Um, but he's a good guy. And so I thought, you know, I've got to share one of his stories. It's a good point. Uh, but what are we tied to? God gives us grace so we can follow him passionately. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, But Peter standing up with the eleven. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. Peter standing up with the eleven. Do you guys remember Peter? Who remembers Peter from maybe Mark? We read, we heard about Peter. Right? Remember he's one of the disciples that Jesus called? Does anyone remember what Peter, what Simon was up to whenever Jesus called him? Anyone remember? What was he doing? He was doing his favorite pastimes when he grew up to fishing. He's fishing with his brother Andrew. And they're just kind of, they're fishing. That's what they did. And, and all of a sudden, you know, there's the, they're following Jesus. So you got a couple fishermen that are following Jesus. What do you think they did on a regular basis? You think that they were just like the perfect fishermen? Do you think they always had the right language? you ever think they may be a foul mouth? I think that Peter had a foul mouth. He was a fisherman. You think that ever, do uh, you think Peter would go a couple days without taking a shower because he was too busy working? I think so. He's a fisherman. Do you think that Peter, whenever he would go out and work out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, do you think Peter would wear the nicest suit and the nicest clothes? No. A lot of times Peter would strip down as much as he possibly could because he's a fisherman. He's out in the middle of the heat. Do you think that, do you think Peter got along well with everyone who was just even tempered? No. Peter was a fisherman. Let's just think about some of the guys that we know that are fishermen. All right, if they don't catch what they want to in a day, it's not just, oh, it's okay. Or the net breaks. Oh, the net broke. I'll just have to do it tomorrow. No, they're yelling. They're cussing. They're doing whatever. They, they're just mad. That's Peter. Peter, this is who Peter is. This is what his mannerism is like. And so here's Peter following Jesus. And we see throughout not only the book of Mark, but every single gospel gospel Peter is the guy that speaks and then he thinks about it and usually he's thinking about it because Jesus says Peter wait <laughs> think about what you just said and let's let's go let's go over that again so what's one of the things if you could if you could name maybe anyone in here that can think of it, if you can name one thing that Peter said that later one day he regretted does anyone have any off the top of their head I'm going to tell you one but I just want to see if anyone has one off the top of their head I'll never leave you, right? That's actually the one I'm going to go to. Peter looks at Jesus before he goes to the cross. There's one time where Peter says, no, Lord, you won't die. You're not allowed. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And it's just like, oh, you know, sorry, Jesus. I won't speak again. But there's another time where Peter says, I will ne even though every one of these disciples will forsake you, I will never leave you. And Jesus says, because Jesus knows the heart, and Jesus knows the future, and Jesus knows how he's going to take care of not the past, not just the present, but how he's going to take care of the future. But Jesus looks at Peter and he says, listen, man, not only are you going to forsake me, but you're going to do it three times. You're going you're gonna to forsake me three times before the rooster crows. Before the morning even comes, before daylight breaks, you're going to deny me three times while I'm on my way to the cross. And so Peter's, I don't know, if I was Peter, I'd be like, what? No, I'm not. <laughs> and then I'm looking at my butt, like the other disciples, what are you talking about? Jesus is a little loopy or something. I don't know. Just, what's he and then that night comes, and, and Jesus is led to the cross. And, and on his way, soldiers are beating him, and there's people coming to, G, uh, to Peter, and they're saying, didn't you know that guy? 
And, and Peter's like, oh, no, not me. <laughs> Wait, no, I saw you with him. Oh, you must have seen someone else. You know, there's people that look like people all the time. And then he's sitting around a fire and looks up and he actually sees Jesus after he betrays him and, and that last time. And it's just like cut to the core. He doesn't even he doesn't even show up. He's gone. He flees. He runs away. And we find out that the one disciple that didn't leave Jesus during this whole time was this disciple John. And John's going to write about not only just how Peter was essentially a failure. I mean, we see a lot of, of them kind of going back and forth. I think it's because John was the young guy, and he had his opportunity to kind of point out what Peter was like. But I think John was pointing out what Peter was like because he really wanted to show the love of Jesus. No matter what we are, no matter where we fail, no matter how we mess up, no matter what we're tied to, Jesus has the love and the ability to forgive all that. Okay? So the, what we're going to talk about is going to be, we're talking about grace. How God gives us grace so that we can follow him passionately. But grace is tied to another word, and that word is mercy. And so here on the screen you see it. Grace and mercy are crossroads. But I don't want you to think of them as crossroads. I want you to think of grace and mercy as two sides of the same coin. All right? Crossroads, you can choose one or you can choose the other. You know, no, if, you're gonna, if you have grace, then you're experiencing mercy. Um, I told you about Dr. Wayne Barber. I told that story, right? His favorite way to describe grace is it's what God does to, for, in, and through a man or through us. It's what God does to, in, for, and through a man. And if you think about that, that's how, this is how this works, is that grace is not something that we earn. Grace is not, a blessing is not something that we get because we did something right. Just because we tithe doesn't necessarily mean we're going to experience the best blessing that we can think of. Just because we go and we give money or we give food to someone that's homeless does not mean that we're going to receive a blessing because we went and did that. What grace, what a blessing is, is us moving to go because we've been directed by the Holy Spirit. Whether we give, whether we serve, that in itself is grace. The ability to do that through us. The ability for us to serve is actually the blessing. Not just for us, but then that one that receives it, receives it because it is a blessing to them. So the ability to do it to, the ability to do it through, the ability to receive it within, their ability to do it for someone, all of that is grace. And so if you are listening to the heart of God, if you're listening to the words of God, if you're following, if you're trying to do what his word says, if you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you react to that prompting, then that is grace. That is blessing. And either you're going to be the recipient or you're going to be the one that gives that. And sometimes you'll experience it straight from God where you can't even name the person that it was that did it. But all of a sudden it's there. And again, that's that's God's blessing but it's nothing that we do of ourselves it's something that we're listening to God's heart and he just says go do it or someone else is listening to God's heart and he says go do it and we just happen to receive or to give it but then the only way that you can do anything that God has told you to do is that you have to be connected with the heart of God and the only way to be connected with the heart of God is because of God's mercy and God's mercy is his ability to take care of the consequence of sin some people might hear that uh, mercy is unmerited favor. That's one way to say it, but that's a big word. Um, so we're going to go with the fact that God deals with the consequence of sin. Whether it be your current sin that's going on now, he can deal with that. Um, but Or it's the past sin, and you realize that God has paid for that sin by dying for you on the cross. 
That was his decision. It wasn't a, oh, poor little JJ. He's a sinner and I need to die for him. Mercy is actually this, this description of mercy, this, this decision of mercy is a decision of I want to do this. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than die for JJ. I cannot think of anything else I'd rather do than die for Ashley or Doves. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than die for you. That's my mercy. I want to do it because I know it's going to take care of the consequence of sin. And if I can take care of the consequence of sin, you're going to experience grace. So God wanted to do it. He died on the cross because he wanted to do it. Sure, he experienced pain. Sure, he experienced suffering. Sure, it hurt him, but he knew why he was doing it. He wanted you to experience grace. And so we see that he's going to show up and teach that lesson to Peter. So there's, one, there's only one way to experience the grace of God, and it's by experiencing the mercy of God. There's only one way to experience the mercy of God, and it's actually by experiencing the grace of God. There are two sides of the same coin. But he's going to show that to Peter. So... Again, in your Bibles if you want, or if you're using the Driftwood app, you can follow along because uh, I wrote down that scripture for you. But we're going to go to John chapter uh, 21, and we're going to be in 15 to 19. This is why Peter stands up, by the way. He shouldn't have had the right to. <laughs> he and those 11 disciples, any one of those 11 could have looked at him and said, wait, Peter, no, remember, you denied Jesus. Sit down. We're going to speak. But Peter stands up, and it's because of this right here. Jesus restores Peter in John chapter 21, 15 through 19. So when they had eaten breakfast, which, by the way, I have a sermon about breakfast with Jesus. Didn't want to do it today, but it's, I mean, it's pretty sweet that Jesus had breakfast with them. How awesome is it that God will decide first? Uh, a lot of times he's going to meet our needs or, or you might be able to have the ability to meet someone's needs, you know, physical needs. And then he'll deal with your spiritual needs. It's like, hey, before I really point out all these issues, all these issues you have, because we all know we have them. But God says, before Peter, before we point out all these issues, let's have breakfast. And so after they had eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Does that sound familiar? Everyone else is going to forsake you, Jesus, but I'm not because I love you more. You know, said that in front of all those disciples. And all those disciples must have been like, he's just trying to sit next to Jesus on the throne. You know, like, I'd be mad if I was another disciple. I mean, why not think to say that first, you know? So Jesus says this because he's, he wants to remind Peter of what he said. He says, do you love me more than these? And, and Peter's like thinking, oh, I said this before. Yeah, I know this answer. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Jesus says, feed my lambs. Now, what's the lamb? Lamb is this little itty-bitty, you know, Mary had a little lamb, you know, just this little itty-bitty, little can't take care of itself, little stumbling around, little need to follow mommy, little little lamb, you know, just a little cute and cuddly. It's the one that coyotes go for first, you know, like just this little nice cute and cuddly. So Jesus says, feed my lambs. The idea there is that, listen, there's, there's those out there that are spiritually going to be just little babies. They're going to be little lambs, Peter. <laughs> I want you to take care of them. And all the disciples are... Now remember, all the disciples are here. All the disciples are thinking, wait. Whoa. You're going to give Peter the ability to take care of the new believers in you? Don't you remember what happened, Jesus? But they're not going to question him. He's Jesus. But you know, I'm thinking, I would be sitting there like, feed your lambs. Do you really trust Peter that much? Come on, Jesus. 
well, you know, at least maybe Peter can get him into the church family and then we'll take care of the rest. And so then Jesus asked him again. He says, hey, Peter. Oh, yeah. Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, do you love me? And, she, and Peter's thinking, yes. You know, but he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he says, tend to my sheep. So not only are we feeding, not only are we introducing these new believers into the family of God, but now I want you to take care of them. I want you to take care of them as they grow up. And so then the other disciples are sitting around like, wait a second, what's Jesus doing? Jesus is giving Peter permission for something. We're picking up on it. And so then he says, tend my sheep. And, and then he says to him a third time, Simon, do you love me? Now watch what happens. Peter was grieved. Why was Peter grieved? There's a reason why this is written like this. He asked him a third time. Peter denies him three times. And this third time, whenever Jesus asks and says, Peter, do you love me? The immediate thought is, oh my goodness, that was three times. I denied him three times. And that grieved is just that inward, I'm sure, sobbing, that breaking down, that realizing that what am I doing even speaking? But he knows that deep down in his heart, he says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Remember the beginning, feed my lambs, then tend my sheep, then feed my sheep. I don't want you to just enter, introduce people to the gospel. I don't want you to just tell them about who I am, but then I want you to take care of them. And after you've taken care of them, as you're taking care of them, then I want you to continue to introduce them to the gospel. Just continue to refresh that in their hearts. Continue to lead them. Continue to feed them. And the disciples realize what's happened now. They understand. They're not going to question it anymore. Jesus has just publicly in front of them said, Peter now has the right to be an apostle. He has the right to stand with you guys. He has the right to speak. He has the right to open his mouth. Okay, before they would have probably never let him do it. They would have said, no, you denied Jesus. What are you thinking, man? Get out of here. Now there's no question. Now there's no question. God's grace. Did Jesus have to go? No, he didn't have to go. Did Jesus have to even die? No, he didn't have to die. But, but Jesus has died, and now he's come to Peter, and through that grace, he says, you now, I'm giving you grace. I'm coming to you with that mercy. Okay, I'm forgiving you of the sin. I'm forgiving you of the sin of neglecting me, forgetting me, abandoning me, denying me. I'm forgiving you of that. And now I come to you, and I say, here you are. You have the right to speak on my behalf, regardless of your past. And you're going to have the right to speak on my behalf, regardless of what you're going to do in the future. Regardless of what's going to happen. And, and so here's the, the, the thing. What are you tied to? Think of what Peter was tied to before this point. I denied Christ three times. Think about what the other disciples might have been tied to. He denied Christ three times. Think about what those that would have known who uh, Peter was, maybe the ones that talked to him at the fire or the ones that questioned if he knew Jesus. No, you denied Jesus three times. That's what Peter was tied to. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to I get rid of that, man. Cut that rope off. You're not tied to that anymore. And so what are you tied to? You know, if you would just let Jesus speak into your life, if you would just trust him, if you would just have that faith to step out, then you can be broken from that, that tie immediately. It doesn't, it does, it's, not, it's not a bunch of chance. It's not eating the right food, having the right diet. It's not sitting in church the right amount of times. 
What are you tied to? Jesus can break whatever you're tied to. But also, really quick, I want to point out this, that Jesus does this publicly in front of all the disciples. Why did Jesus have to do it publicly? Because Peter denied him publicly. So the sin that was public, Jesus breaks and he causes the restoration to be public. But a sin that is secret, we'll see that Jesus doesn't go to someone publicly. He goes to them secretly and he says, we need to deal with this. This isn't, this isn't for other people to have to make fun of you about. This isn't for people to have to know. But between Jesus and other people, this is something we need to deal with. So there is a difference between restoration that is public and a restoration that is private. So I'm not saying that in order for you to have freedom, you have to come all out and tell me every single thing that you did wrong. But you do need to do that for God. God says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. That's the best part. Cleanse us from every bit of unrighteousness. That's what God does, and he sometimes will do it privately, and sometimes it has to be public. And the reason why it has to be public is because you know everyone knows. Peter knew everyone knew. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus would step up next to you, put your, his arm around you, and say, yeah, I forgive them. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be so much easier. Peter had it easy, right? You know, we got to actually stand up in front of people or go to the person that we've wronged, and we have to say, please forgive me. Oh, that hurts. But Jesus promises that he's forgiven us. All we have to do is be faithful and just go and confess that sin. And sometimes it's to a crowd. Sometimes it's just to God. But then the very next thing that happens is that Jesus says this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, put on your own clothes. You got yourself ready for work. You got yourself ready to do whatever you were about to do. You girded yourself and you walked where you wished. Yeah. I mean, let's just say I, I, I like that freedom. I like being able to put on my swim trunks, go down to the beach, and just wander wherever I want. I like that ability. And, G, and Peter had that ability, but then he says this, But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, another will gird you or strip you down, and carry you where you do not wish. Church tradition says that Peter was crucified. He was drugged to be crucified, and right before being drugged to be crucified, he begged, he pleaded, and he made it to where he was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way Jesus was. Didn't want to be crucified the same way the master, but church, church tradition tells us that's exactly what happened, that Peter was crucified. So, so Jesus speaks to the fact that Peter is going to die, and he describes, I mean, that's what that sounds like to me. It describes exactly what's going to what happen to Jesus. So he tells Peter exactly how he's going to die. Wouldn't you like to know that? Why does Jesus tell him exactly how he's going to die? Because there's freedom. There's freedom in knowing that we're going to make it to the finish line. Jesus promises Peter that he is going to die. And he's going to die in such a way that Jesus had described in Luke. Where that unless you deny, unless you deny the world, unless you follow Christ and take up your cross and follow him. He calls people to take up the cross and follow him. And here he says, you will actually take up a cross. And he doesn't say anything about him denying him. He says, you're going to die. And you're going to die a martyr. You're going to die for my namesake. In other words, Peter, no matter what the finish line looks like, no matter when this happens, you're going to reach the finish line following after me. And there's freedom in knowing that. Some of you might think, no, there's not freedom in knowing you're going to die. Well, we're all going to die at some point. So Jesus tells Peter, hey, listen, you're going to be so bold that you're going to speak out and people are going to kill you for it. 
people are going to kill you for it. And so then he says this. He says, This he spoke, signifying but what death he would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to him, Now follow me. Follow me. God gives us grace so we can follow him passionately. Do you know that in knowing, in, Jesus, in Peter knowing how he's going to die, Peter's actually, that's, I think that's what drove Peter to speak up now. You know how Peter like spoke first and he thought later? Well, Peter's going to do that throughout the rest of his life, right? That's just who he is. That's how God wired him. So if you're one of those people, that's a good thing, actually, because now you can share the gospel, or hopefully you just share the gospel, and you don't think, oh, maybe that offended them. You know, Peter didn't think about offending someone with the gospel because he knew it was offensive. So Peter goes, and he's going everywhere, and he's speaking. And then in Acts, whenever he stands up to speak, he's the first one of the 11 to stand up, apparently, because he's the one that gives the speech. And he doesn't worry about offending people. He just worries about telling them who Jesus is. And so Peter has the right to stand up because of that grace. But that grace gives us the ability to follow him passionately. And the only reason that we have grace is because of his mercy. But the only reason we have mercy is because of his grace. And so what are you tied to? What, what am I tied to? I'll tell you what I was tied to. All right, I was tied to this. I was, I was in Graceville, Florida. Uh, you think that's nothing to be tied to. <laughs> All right, that's, <laughs> where's that at? It's just north of Panama City. If you drive about an hour and a half, that's how far I am away from the beach. It's a beautiful beach with white sand, but during the winter, it's cold as anything. You don't want to get in because the water's ice. So it's not really worth it to live there in the winter. But um, Graceville, Florida is just right below Dothan, Alabama. The Alabama line was five minutes away. So to get out of Florida, unlike now where it takes like five and a half, seven, depending how you drive, hours, um, it was five minutes and I'd be out of Florida. That was one nice thing. And so I lived in Graceville, Florida. I worked at the Baptist College of Florida as a marketing, uh, well, essentially I did all their marketing. I got paid to do that. I got free housing. All right, I didn't have to worry about anything. I was set. I had the money I needed. It was nice, right? Uh, bills were easy to pay because I didn't have to pay for housing. Health insurance was easy. Car insurance was easy. Car insurance especially because who's going to steal a car in Graceville, Florida, right? So they didn't even have to factor that in. I moved to Fort Pierce. It doubled. <laughs> there you go. That's what it's like whenever you're here. Um, so... But that's what it was like to live in Graceville. And as I was saying, I, start, I was like, Ashley and I were talking, and we're like, man, we know God's calling us to plant a church on the beach. Don't know where. Then all of a sudden, as we know God's calling us to plant a church in Fort Pierce on the beach. Don't know how. And then all of a sudden, it became Driftwood was started, and it was like, well, we know how, um, but, but we don't really know how, because how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to do this? And then it was, I have a student ministry. I can't leave that, because those kids, you know, they're just, they're just so loving, and I just want to lead them and and then I was like okay God well you got to strip the student ministry away from me if you ask God to strip something away from you he will um, so that happened and then uh, then I was like well I had this great job in the marketing department and actually I wasn't ever gonna lose that like I was set I had that you know I didn't have to worry I could have stayed I could have done pulpit supply and kept making extra money on top of that I mean I was set do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I was set. Where was that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, just as we're getting ready to leave, it's like, fine, God, we're going to go. We set a date. I didn't know how that date was going to work. We didn't know where we were going to live. Nothing. And I said, God, fine, we're going to go. I'm going to cut my tie, and I don't really want to. And then all of a sudden, we're going, we're walking, and, and then the Baptist College of Florida acquires this property called Blue Springs in Mariana. It's this, Nice little property. It's a, where the Southern Baptist Conference Center or Florida Baptist Conference Center in Blue Springs is beautiful property. 
and they needed someone to help market and manage that property. And so then I was like kind of talking to Dr. Kinchin one day, the president, and he was when well, I was in charge of this, and he's like, you sure you want to go? Because I just got this property and we got to market it. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's just terrible. Like, why trick me? Like, now I could paddleboard at Blue Springs every day. Like, I, there's nothing, I could have the water. The water in Blue Springs is like that 72 every time, every day, no matter how cold it is. It was going to be perfect. I could have been set again. I could have been set more so. I could have started this whole new thing. I could have gone on a whole different adventure. And, and it was like, no, we got to go. And I kept having to say that over and over. No, we have to go. No, we have to go. And that tie, I kept having to fight back that little rope that would come back to try to tie around me and say, no, no, no. And, and then finally, finally we start, like we get the moving truck and we're loading it and that's a process in itself. And, and then we're getting, you know, we got the townhouse we got was Natalie's because God just so happened to open up to where Natalie got the house she lives in now, just at the time that we needed a townhouse. And she said, well, God told me you're going to get my townhouse. And we were like, well, talk to your landlord. And he said, yeah, sure. You guys can have it. Natalie likes you guys. And so when we get the town, yeah, we get the townhouse that way. And it's like, so that happened. And then we, you know, and whenever I lost my job at, at the church that I was serving as a student minister, like it didn't take very long, but then I went and did a pulpit supply at a church and they didn't have a pastor and they were looking for one. And so they were like, well, we want you to come back every week and preach and we'll pay you double of what we paid you this first time that you came and preached because we like your preaching and we want to give you the opportunity and bless you. And so I was like, Okay, you know, I can do that. And then as I'm preaching, they're like, well, can you just be our pastor? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, cutting this. And then just as we're getting ready to leave, they call a guy to preach, and then they vote him in to be pastor. So they brought, they got their pastor the same time we're leaving. So they were set now. And, and it's like, I don't have to worry about that. And then the students that were in the student ministry that I was at, you know, they we had a band we set up with them, and they just they did their thing. They, they did student ministry by themselves. They, they were able to actually get together and they would lead the Bible studies on Wednesday night. So I didn't have to worry about the student ministry that was left behind. God was taking care of that. And so, I mean, I just, I said, okay, let's cut it. <laughs> let's cut that tie. And and now here I am. It's like, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah. Um, and so Ashley and I, we just kind of, we, we live every day kind of like that now. It's, it's weird. And it's hard. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not here, up here standing. I mean, that whole six, seven months of getting to leaving, like, we, I can't even tell you what it was. It was awful. Like, there was just, we were worried. We were excited. And then I'd be worried again. And, and then being here, I can't say that being here, I go every day without worrying. Yeah, right. Okay. So I worry all the time. And I'm like, what are we going to do now? And, and then every single time I start asking God that, I'm like, fine, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. And then I, I could get a job offer. And I'm like, no, that's not what you want me to do because it'll take all this time away from what I know I'm supposed to do. It'll take the ability for me to do stuff on Wednesday night with students away. I'm like, no, we're not. I can't do that. That would be income. That would be smart. You know, all the world would say that's the right thing to do. And I'm just like, no, God, we're going to keep doing what I'm doing right now because this is how you're paying bills and it just works. And then every single time it's like, God, you realize that, you know, the end of the month <laughs> beginning of the month is starting again just in case you're wondering just in case you weren't the one that created time um, every single time I start asking God that question he's like all right here you go here's enough and and it's just it we've we've had the ability to do what we needed to do um, because of blessings of other people and then just because it, it's who God is that's grace and the grace comes with that faith of just following him 
just stepping out. Like, you take that, I promise, you take that first step and it doesn't make sense, and then all of a sudden you're caught. And you take the next step and it doesn't make sense, and all of a sudden you're caught. And then, and then as you get caught, it's crazy because then you want to tell someone how you got caught. <laughs> and that's usually the, the grace that they need. And then all of a sudden you get caught again taking the next step, and now you have like way more grace than you ever thought you could ever deserve. And you're like, well, I need to share this. So then you share, and then... And then you know, then you share what you, what you, I would share money or something, you know, food. And then I'm like, oh, how are we going to pay for the next bill? So God's like, we'll take another step. And then he's like, here you go. That's how you're going to pay for the next bill. Right? And it just, every single time, it's going to happen, I promise. And that's how it was with Peter. Peter living his life, he's like, I don't deserve this. I don't, de I mean, I don't deserve this. But Peter living his life is like, man, God, do you, do you really forgive me? And Jesus is like, yeah. And then Jesus says, you love me, right? And he's like, yeah. And so then Peter, this is what Jesus teaches us. Faith, we do that because we love someone, right? I mean, think about that. Think about that time that you talked to that pretty girl, guys, and then they became your wife. But right? you, <laughs> you, talk, you, talk to that, you talk to that pretty girl, or maybe that pretty girl had to talk to you because she... You know, but and he said, you talk to that pretty girl, and, and that's faith. That's like, oh, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to try this one. And then she likes you back, and you're like, oh. And then you go in for that kiss, and you're like, oh, oh okay, good. Yeah, we got that. And then, and then you go down to get on one knee, and you're like, oh, this is so much money for a ring. What? And, and that's really what gets you down there. And then they say yes, and you're like, oh. You know, it's just like faith every single step but we do it because we love that person when you do a friendship when you do a relationship that's what it's like it's just faith and faith is as easy as sitting down in a chair really you don't even have to think about it because you trust that it's going to work out and that's what it's like with god you take faith but jesus says do it because you love me follow me because you love me don't follow me because you want blessing that's not i mean I, that just is that's life right there blessing is just life Taking a breath, that's blessing. There you go, there's life. And don't, don't follow me because you want something out of it. That's not what it's about. Just follow me because you love me. And what's going to happen is you're going to receive grace, and you're going to be able to show grace to others. But at the same time, the only reason that you can follow me is because of mercy. And the mercy is this, is that we were sinners. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, God loved us. Well, what's sin? Sin is what separates us from God. If you want to think of it as this big, huge chasm, this big, huge gap, and you're looking across and you're like, man, there's no way I can get to the other side. God says, I fixed that. I fixed that because of mercy. I fixed that because of Jesus. If you want to think about it like colors, like Eddie loves to tell, it's, it's black. Black is that sin. There's nothing good about it. There's no light. Light can't break through it. And so in that black, in that darkness, Jesus comes. And through his blood, through that red, through that red, he covers sin. And he does it because of mercy. He does it because of mercy. And all we have to do is just cry out. All we have to do is ask. And we shall receive. And so he covers, he covers sin with his blood. And we ask and we receive. And because of that asking and that receiving, we have the ability to grow. We have the ability to grow closer to him. We have the ability to grow in faith. And as we grow in faith, we'll start to experience grace in a different way. Because we'll want to give it more than we're going to want to receive it. We're going to want someone to experience grace more than we've experienced it. Because we know they need it. And as we want them to experience it more, a lot of times that's in the form of you need to turn to Jesus. You need to give your life to God because without him, you can do nothing. Amen. 
And so there's this, there's the, my favorite part, my favorite verse has to come from Colossians, I think 3.23, but it's that we should do everything for his glory. We should do everything for his good. That's what it's all about, is living for him. And if we can get that, if you can get that, it's just one step. I mean, it is a step. It really is. People don't think it's a hard step. Just loving Jesus is the step. And we can love him because he first loved us. That's what the Bible says. And if you'll just love him, if you'll just take that step, you'll begin to experience that grace because you have a connectedness to him. He loves you. You're his child. He's not going to let you down. It might not be. You'll experience grace in ways you never thought. I promise. That's how I experience it daily. But that's all it takes. That's all it takes. No one wore a coat today. You know, that kind of made me a little sad. I'll never wear a coat again in my life. <laughs> just tell you that. I used to have to preach in a coat. Um, so I'm never going to do it again. Um, and so I can't ever do this illustration the way it's supposed to be done. But I'm not going to take my shirt off. But if someone had wore a coat today, I want you to think, I, got, I wish there was just a coat. Like, it's okay, but it's okay. All right, so let's just say I'm wearing this shirt and I'm not going to take it off because I want to help and bless you guys, right? Um, so I'm wearing this shirt. And if, you, if, I, if this shirt was just hanging up here and I said, hey, shirt, wave, right? And you're like, well, it's not going to do that, right? JJ, you're an idiot. There's no way the shirt's going to wave, right? It's just not going to happen. If I said, shirt, come over to me, the shirt was hanging there. It's not going to come to me because what has to happen? You have to put it on, right? The only way the shirt's going to wave is if I'm waving through it. The Bible says we are dead in our sins. The only way that we're going to do anything for God is if Jesus lives in us. We've got to let Jesus put us on. And he says, all you got to do is be willing. I'm going to put you on. I want to buy you. I've already bought you. I've already paid everything there is. That's grace. Living through us and doing it to us. Living in us. So if you haven't experienced his grace this morning, oh, I sure hope that you do. The only way you're going to experience it is understanding how merciful he is. And he's merciful to the fact that he pays for every single bit of sin. So if there's a sin that you have this morning that needs to be confessed privately, do it. Don't leave without confessing it privately. You can do that right in your chair while we're praying. If you, if you have a sin where you know you've got to go talk to someone, get that phone out. Don't even wait for me to finish praying and walk downstairs and make that phone call. But if, you, if you've never experienced his grace, if you've never experienced his mercy, if you've never trusted in Jesus with your life, then, dude, that's something you got to do public. you got to let people know. I'm telling you, all you have to do is just come up here and say, I need Jesus to save me from my sins. That's all it takes. It's so easy. It starts with a step. That's it. One step. And I promise you that if you start that step, someone in here will help you up here if you can't make it up here alone. If you just stand up and step out of the aisle and, say, and wave to someone and say, I need help, they'll help you. But you got to just make that step. If you've never trusted in Jesus, I'm begging you, do it this morning because you're going to experience the grace and I, I, can't I can't describe it any further than what's happened in my life, but that's grace. And so if you guys will bow with me to pray, let's just thank Jesus for who he is.